0: Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast. Listen in as your host, Jimmy Atkinson, invites industry leaders to share their best OZ insights and investment strategies. From market updates to fund launches, policy news, tax mitigation strategies, and more, we cover it all here on the Opportunity Zones podcast.
1: Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Atkinson. And by the way, before we get going today, a little announcement about this podcast. We are now a video podcast, and all episodes going forward will be available on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash opportunitydb. So if you'd prefer to watch instead of listen, and we will have some visuals every once in a while on this show going forward, please find us there on YouTube and hit that subscribe button. But now on to today's episode, we're talking multifamily today. Multifamily is the most popular asset class for Opportunity Zone investors. According to the latest Qualified Opportunity Fund survey data from Novagradic. approximately 80% of all QOFs have some exposure to residential real estate. So clearly it's a very important asset class for many Opportunity Zone investors. On today's episode, we'll be turning our attention to broader trends that we're seeing in the multifamily sector so far in 2022 and here to discuss these trends with me today is my partner at multifamilyinvestor.com, Scott Hawksworth. Scott joins us from Chicago, Illinois. Scott, how you doing? And hey, welcome back to the pod. Hey, Jimmy. Thanks for having me on again. It's uh, great to be back. Always great to be with you, Scott. Uh, we talk just about every day, but uh, <laughs> you not always on the podcast. So pleasure to get your insights uh, recorded for our audience today. So Scott, I know you have your eye on four broader macroeconomic multifamily trends in 2022. And just to quickly rattle off those four trends, and then we'll dive into each one specifically, we're going to be talking about one, supply and demand trends, two, the growth of alternative investing and where multifamily fits into that broader asset class. Three, cap rate compression, and then four, rent increases. So Scott, let's, let's dive in with your number one
0: trend, which is supply and demand. What can you tell us there? Sure, Jimmy. So the fact is that when we're talking about multifamily housing, demand continues to outpace supply. Uh, When you look at housing overall, um, there was an NAR report that says we have underbuilt uh, and there's been this housing shortage of underbuilding by over 5 million units uh, since 2001. And that is not showing signs of really slowing down. And when we look at the the demand and supply side of things, we're seeing some shifting trends in the sense that a lot of the demand is moving to the suburbs, uh, out of the cities, concerns about crime and, uh, you know, the ongoing wake of uh, COVID-19 pandemic uh, restrictions and things like that. A lot of folks are, are looking to the suburbs, but the fact is that that's just driving demand up for multifamily housing uh, in those areas. So when we're looking at trends, uh, that's one that just continues.
1: Yeah, it seems like uh, with respect to cities versus suburbs, it seems like we we go through cycles where it becomes very popular to live in the cities and then it becomes less popular and then for a while it was more popular and now I think we're finally starting to see the reversal of that trend where we're <clears throat> seeing a lot of out migration from cities to suburbs as, as you mentioned. Um, any, any other takeaways from supply and demand trends and any other points to note on the, uh, the, the
0: housing shortage that we have in this country? Sure. You know, the only other thing I'd say, too, is is when we're talking about locations, um, the Sunbelt continues to just have a tremendous amount of demand. And again, when we kind of talk about sort of a lot of the shifting uh, as a result of the pandemic, a lot of folks reevaluating uh, their home life, if they're working from home a lot more, working remotely. And uh, that has also had folks really looking to uh, warmer areas. I'm in Chicago, and uh, it's still pretty cold here in May at the time of this recording. And so a lot of folks are saying, well, can I get that uh, big city salary and maybe uh, move to a place that's a little sunnier potentially? And uh, so we're seeing lots of, of shifting there, but really just driving that, that demand uh, for multifamily. And then I'd also add, um, lastly, we've seen uh, interest rates going up, We've seen uh, a lot of, uh, of a decline in mortgage applications. So a lot of folks uh, are, are not actually buying single family homes and they still need a place to live. Uh, everybody needs a place to live. And that's where multifamily really is, is filling a need. And, and that's, of course, also driving the demand there.
1: Yeah, I think we'll kind of touch on this a little bit more on trend number four when we talk about rent rate increases. But if you can imagine being a first-time home buyer, so you don't have a current home that you can sell out of, You're buying into the market for the first time. Prices have skyrocketed for homes over the last just over the last year or so. I think we're seeing CPI inflation at what is it? I think eight and a half percent was the most recent CPI print. Yeah, that was the last print. Yeah, housing costs have well exceeded that into the into the mid to high teens Uh, year over year price changes in in home buying. So. If you don't already have a home that you can sell out of, and now you're also seeing mortgage rates start to increase, it has become very costly to buy a new home as a first-time home buyer. So I think we're seeing delayed home buying for first-time home buyers, and that means more people, just a bigger pool of, uh, of renters, which helps to drive some, some underlying fundamentals for investing in multifamily properties that are, that are rental properties. Uh, Scott, if we didn't have anything else to add there, I think we can move on to our second trend that you're keeping an eye on with respect to multifamily. And that's that's kind of a broader trend of growth in
0: alternative investing. Uh, what can you tell us there? Yeah, I mean, uh, put simply, we are seeing a tremendous amount uh, of investment from sponsors, um, and they're continuing to amass more assets in multifamily and uh, alts and, and multifamily, of course, makes a, a, a huge portion of that. And that, of course, includes QOFs as well. And uh, in terms of this trend, I think that we've seen ongoing inflation like you were just uh, talking about. And a lot of folks are looking for places to, to place their capital and uh, and really hedge against that ongoing inflation. And, and multifamily just has a huge role to play in that. Um, so we're just seeing a ton of interest in that. Yeah, absolutely. And if
1: I can just kind of add a little bit more context there, and I'm looking at my other screen now, I'm looking up the exact uh, figure here that I had found earlier, but um, New York Life Investments put out a a report uh, toward the end of last year. They project global assets under management in alternatives are projected to grow by 62% from 2020 to 2025. Clearly, it's an asset class that has continued to increase in popularity among high net worth accredited investors, Mm -hmm. but also among uh, RIAs and other sorts of advisors. It's always been very popular with institutional investors, large pension funds, large hedge funds, family offices. But now we're starting to see a lot more main street investing interest in alternatives. And of course, when we talk about alternatives, we're talking about stuff that isn't, traded publicly. So stuff you can't just put very easily into your brokerage account at Fidelity or or TD Ameritrade or, or Vanguard. Uh, we're not talking about mutual funds or ETFs or stocks or bonds. We're talking about stuff that isn't traded. So we're talking about private REITs. We're talking about um, gold or other types of alternative assets it can include collectibles or art. But <clears throat> by and large, the, the, the vast majority of uh, people, when they talk about alternative investing, the vast majority of offerings that are out there that are branded as alts are real estate. Mm-hmm. And of course, within real estate, multifamily, clearly the most popular sector for real estate investing as a segment of the alternative universe. And, and we see that in, in opportunities on investing as well. As I cited at the top of the show, you know about 80% of the QOFs out there have a residential component, according to the Novagradic data. Unfortunately, they don't break down residential into single family versus multifamily uh, versus mixed use or other, other types of multifamily, uh, res- residential, excuse me, property types. But <clears throat> anecdotally, I can tell you that the vast majority of deals that I see that are residential are multifamily. Occasionally, I'll see a, I'll see a single family here and there, but, but the vast majority are uh, multifamily and, and other types of multifamily as well, not just apartment buildings, but we also see senior living, and student housing are two of the, I guess, subtypes of what could be considered
0: multifamily. Right. So, and, and to, to jump in ahead, there, Scott. Jimmy, as, as of course you know, just how resilient uh, real estate and, and multifamily specifically has has been shown to be um, historically. And so, there's concerns out there about um, you know economic downturn. Uh, the uh, the stock market's been taking it on the chin here recently. So, a lot of folks are are looking to again, those historically resilient sectors, and, and multifamily is one of those. Yeah. No, I think that's a great point. I think people
1: kind of look at their um, stock portfolio, and they see that they might be overweighted in stocks because of the run-up over the last uh, decade plus, um, and including just the most recent run-up just since the COVID recovery of uh, well, about two years ago now is when we experienced that really quick dip and then subsequent <laughs> rebound, and it's only gone up from there. And as you mentioned, it has faltered a little bit here over the past month or so. Um, people are looking for alternatives. I think people are are seeing, hey, wait a second, why is the stock market so uh, overheated? Maybe I've got too many stocks. Um, I'm looking for a hedge against inflation. I'm looking for something that you know isn't publicly traded. I, I think that all goes into that trend, the growth of alternative investing, and and we've discussed how multifamily fits in there. Well, let's move on to our third trend that you're keeping your eye on, Scott, which is cap rate compression. And maybe you can talk about cap rate compression trends there and how it impacts an investor. Uh, But also maybe you can just kind of back up and define what is cap rate compression exactly and, and what effect does
0: it have on a multifamily investment? Right. So cap rate compression, quite simply, is the fact that it's it's becoming more and more expensive to acquire a property. Um, and, uh, and that has had an impact on investors when you're trying to raise capital and, and and look for those properties. And so a lot of folks have thought, well, we've had this sort of trend uh, over the last few months here and quarters of this uh, cap rate compressing. And there's been a lot of concerns of, well, will this continue? Will this make investors uh, shy away? Will this make sponsors shy away from these deals? And we just aren't seeing that. And we're also seeing that cap rate compression continuing. Actually, uh, NAR uh, had a report across all real estate sectors. Um, they're seeing that. And of course, multifamily has a big ro- role to play in that as well. You're seeing this trend and it's not really showing signs of, of slowing down. Again, when you're looking at uh, inflation, you're looking at these market prices. Uh, kind of going back to that first point, the demand continues to outpace the supply and that is impacting these cap rates. Well, that's great, Scott. Um,
1: any Anything else to add about cap rate compression there? Maybe I'll ask you a question. Uh, do you think we'll get some decompression at any point soon or, or is this trend going to continue for a while?
0: What, what, what's your prediction there? My gut says that it's going to continue. Um, I don't think that even even with the uh, economic uh, concerns we've seen, I just think that the demand is there. And uh, I recently did a podcast where we talked about it being the golden age of multifamily investing. And I just don't think that uh, it's really going to slow down. Yeah,
1: that was a great episode, by the way. We'll be sure to link to that in the show notes for today's episode at opportunitydb.com slash podcast. Well, let's move on to our fourth and final trend that you've got your eye on for 2022, Scott. Let's talk about rent increases. What can you tell us there? Uh, How do you characterize uh, rental rate
0: increase uh, over the past few months? And do you think it'll continue? Yeah. When we're talking about multifamily, the uh, rent rate increases have been significant. Uh, Actually, NAR, once again, they had a report that came out in February uh, and rent rates increased by 11% which i that that you you are not uh, don't adjust your tv set yes 11% and uh, that's really really an incredible amount uh, of rent increases to the level where when you look at the long term, is that sustainable? No. But when you're looking at it from a multifamily investing standpoint, um, really that uh, that offers a lot of attractive uh, returns and, and income for folks. And we are seeing this trend across the United States. Um, it really doesn't seem to to matter too much what the market is. The fact is, again, it's kind of driven by that uh, that demand there. And we were talking about this earlier about now we have you know, rising interest rates, um, the cost of single family homes continues to rise. So more people are not only wanting to, but they're needing to live in uh, multifamily properties and, and they're paying rent for longer. First time home buyers, it's becoming harder and harder to buy that, uh, that first home. And so those rent increases um, are, are looking to continue again, maybe not quite uh, at as high of a rate, but, uh, but that's what we are seeing.
1: Okay. So those are the four trends you've got your eye on. Let's put everything together now and zoom out and take a 30,000-foot view. We have a lot of economic turmoil lately in the capital markets. Uh, We have uh, interest rates going up. We have uh, inflation (laughs) not reaching any end, it seems. We have a war in Ukraine, which has disrupted a lot of uh, economic um, marketplaces all over, the, all over the world. Scott, In in light of all of this economic disruption or economic turmoil, market turmoil, are investors still interested in multifamily?
0: Absolutely. And I think it goes back to the fact that people need homes. And so it really doesn't matter much um, when you kind of look at that, that high-level view, people are still very interested in multifamily. Now, are there some challenges, um, supply chain issues when we're talking about materials, especially if we're looking at you know, value-add properties and, and things like that, where you want to do some renovations and some improvements? Yeah, there, there are challenges there. Do rising interest rates uh, make some of the financing a little more tricky to navigate? Yes, absolutely. These are factors. Is it a little bit more expensive, as we were talking about, to, to really get in on a property? Absolutely. But in spite of all of that, I kind of go back to those rent increases, that supply and that demand uh, kind of mismatch there, and the fact that we just are not building enough homes that are, are sorely needed. So when investors are looking at the multifamily space, uh, I think that they're, uh, they should be and they are still very bullish.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't disagree with you there. Uh, you know, as, as we've seen, at least in the opportunity zone uh, industry, we've, we've seen only more and more money pour into multifamily over the past uh, several months and years. And actually that kind of brings me to my next point. I kind of want to do something fun here, Scott, uh, since this is a video podcast. Now I wanted to share my screen with, with the users, uh, with the viewers. Um, and if you're listening it. to the audio only version of this, uh, head on over to YouTube.com slash OpportunityDB to watch this podcast episode in video form. But I wanted to show everybody our funds directory and how you can use it to find multifamily funds in Opportunity Zone. So I've headed over to OpportunityDB.com slash funds. You can also just hit our website and click funds up here in the top nav. You scroll down a little bit. These are our featured funds at the top, Urban Catalyst, Caliber, Investor's Choice, and Origin Investments. But if you want to, you can come down here and you actually filter by asset class or property type. We'll say we want to see property types that focus on a lot of different sectors here, but we'll we'll check multifamily housing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then you can also dial up and down the minimum investment, uh, the fund size, investment locations. But for now, we'll just see all multifamily. So those filters have now been applied and you can see we've got a pretty good list of multifamily funds that are open and raising capital. If uh, anyone is out there looking to invest in an Opportunity Zone fund that has multifamily exposure, I think this is a pretty darn good place to start. So just wanted to share that with everybody real quickly here on the on the video version of the podcast and maybe entice some of our listeners to head over and start watching the, the video version if they can. Um Scott, I think that kind of wraps up the episode for today. A pleasure, as always, talking with you. But before we go, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and your website that's all about multifamily investing?
0: Well, absolutely. You can head on over to multifamilyinvestor.com. And then, of course, we have the Multifamily Investor Podcast, which is also a video show, so you can find us on YouTube. Or if uh, you're driving around in your car or want to just uh, listen to us, we're on all your major podcasting uh, platforms, your Spotify's, your Apple Podcasts, et cetera. So please come check us out. And uh, we, we are going to be always talking multifamily and uh, exploring trends and so much more with a lot of thought leaders and uh, hearing from a lot of great folks. So fantastic, Scott. And
1: for our listeners and viewers of today's episode, we will have show notes available at opportunitydb.com slash podcast. And there you'll find links to all of the resources that Scott and I discussed on today's show. And of course, be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube at youtubetv.com OpportunityDB or subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform to always get the latest episodes. Scott, thanks again. Thanks, Jimmy.
0: That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you like this episode, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by Opportunity DB. You can access our show notes by visiting opportunitydb.com forward slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode.